Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Vimo Live. This is a podcast that is telecast on YouTube and Twitch on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Uh, previously, it used to be a different time slot, but now it is 8 because I need to sleep early. We usually talk about atheism and religion, but today I'm a slightly uh, nervous host of this show because our topic has to do with personal finance, a topic about which I personally have don't much of a grasp, which is why I have an expert on hand to talk about this. And we will have an on-screen in a moment. But before all that starts, as usual, I've forgotten the ticker. Uh, before all that starts, I'll remind you that this channel is monetized. You can support it by clicking the join button and becoming a member, which will help my personal finances. I'm an independent content creator, and uh, this program is pretty much sponsored by you. You can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Vimo, or you can make a one-time donation at vimo.stck.me which is my blog. There is a support button there. You can click on it and make any any contribution of your choice. You are here in the live stream right now in the live chat. There is a link pinned to the top of the chat. Wait, there isn't a link pinned to the top of the chat. It will be. Uh, let me just pin it. I forgot. It is pinned now. There is a link pinned to the top of the chat by clicking which you can come on screen and ask questions to our guest. And uh, please make sure today that your questions are about finance and uh, financial matters and money matters. Heymanth, who's our guest, is an, the co-author of a book. And the book, uh, the link to the book is in the video description. Uh, hold on. The book is called The Bee, the Beetle and the Money Bug, The Bank Bazaar Guide to the Financial World. Heymanth is the co-author of the book uh, along with uh, Adhil Shetty. Here's the book in case you haven't seen it. Here it is. This is the book. A link to the book is in the, uh, the Amazon link is in the description. You can click on it and buy the book. Without much further ado, I will bring Hemant on screen and we will talk about today's topic, which is uh, Sanskari finance ideas and their pitfalls. Hi, Hemant. Hi, Mo. Hey, what's uh, up? Huh? I'm doing good. How are you? I am okay. We just talked for 15 minutes. Why are, you, why are we talking? As I thought been... we should have this formal introduction. And... <laughs> Uh, I know yeah. this, this might be the first time on your live. You might have mentioned me a couple of times. You have mentioned my dog maybe 10 times more. Yes. But... I, I I think uh, back when I was doing Insta... Oh, sorry. Uh, we have been on at least one live stream. It was on uh, oh, It yeah. was on Clubhouse. It was on Clubhouse. It was, it was also on finance. It was also on finance. Yeah. You were there. Anam was there. And certain few other people were there. But today, of course, we are here because you have reached and a milestone in your life that I am still to reach, which is that your book is out and mine is still not out. And given that, given that I am someone who doesn't understand much about uh, personal finance, uh, tell me about the process of this book coming into being. What was the uh, like? It fills a gap, obviously. But what do you what would you describe as its uh, cause for being? Right. So firstly, uh, you might be one of my few friends uh, who's already published before me. You had Ravana and that was 10, 12 oh, years okay. ago. And my book is coming out only now. So you have, you, you've got a very big head start over me. Uh, I've had a lot I don't, of... Ravana is not really a book, but okay. Thank you. Thank you for being so charitable. For me, it is. I mean, it's the best Indian comic I've ever read in the mythology genre. Um, but uh, uh, so, I mean, going a little back into time look I, I don't come from a financial background and when i was starting off my career as a journalist which was way back in 2005 hmm. 
I just did not get financial content. I'm not somebody who was good with finances from the get go. I've had to learn uh, from experiences, from very expensive mistakes that I've made over time. And that kind of put me on the trajectory to uh, running communications for Bank Bazaar. And uh, how we got to the book is, I mean, for years, we had been doing uh, personal finance advisory in the media. Hmm. And uh, the media was very receptive of what we were saying and what we were doing. Uh, they were very welcoming of our ideas. And every year we had something new to uh, say. And they were very happy with that. And that kind of gave us the confidence to say that now, you know, we've been doing this for so many years. Why don't we uh, take all our ideas and put them in a book? Uh, and that's how this whole exercise started. Um, and it was a long, painful exercise. Uh, 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 the uh, the process of writing the first chapter uh, and finding that book on uh, uh, on the shelves of a bookstore uh, that easily took two and a half years. Uh, we started somewhere uh, in 2020, uh, but the idea of writing the book uh, happened much before that. So my initial thoughts were that you know uh, you know why why go to publisher? Why don't we just self publish? And I was thinking maybe we can do something really quirky. Uh, uh, create a self-help book um, that that will sell exclusively at traffic signals only and for free. We are not doing this for money. We just want to what, share why? our idea. Uh, why would you want because, to sell a self-help book only at traffic signals? Yeah, like, I mean, was that decision, was that idea uh, coming from a place of a special understanding of your target audience? Uh, maybe, yes. So, uh, I mean, that idea comes from the fact that uh, we only see bestsellers at traffic signals. Um, mm. And I don't know if that still, I mean, this, this still happens because I have not seen any such booksellers in Bangalore for a while. I used to buy these books a lot in, when I was in Mumbai or in Delhi. Mm. Uh, these would be bootleg books, obviously pirated, selling at, you know, a fifth of the cost or a tenth of the cost. So they were cheaper. I, in the early days, I didn't have money, so I preferred buying this stuff. Um, but uh, that's what I thought. I mean, that idea never took off. And uh, good that it didn't, because I think what we have now is a much better product. Um, okay. Yeah. So so we started, uh, you know, thinking of how we're going to structure this book, and that was uh, that was probably the toughest part of this whole project, uh, because you really need to know what you're going to say, and once you know what you're going to say, then everything else kind of uh, flows into place. Hmm. So we had this internal philosophy on money management, and the thing that we wanted uh, and something we had been doing well for a while is we we were able to super simplify finance. Um, hmm. And this book is for people like you. I mean, somebody like you uh, who avoids finance, uh, who has nothing in common with my people, for example, uh, you should be able What do you mean your people? My people would be people in the financial services industry of which, uh, I mean, I mean you're, you're a creative person. You've always been a creative person, but somehow I've uh, wandered into financial services, yeah. uh, and uh, that's where I work now. So because uh, I have known you uh, for close to half my years. life now, I think yeah, half years. my yeah, yeah, roughly two decades, slightly yeah. less than two decades, and you, your ambition in life was to be a copywriter, go into advertising and stuff. So your career trajectory has been very, very, like one of the reasons I. Uh, posted this live stream on Instagram and saying if you're a creative person and you want to have financial advice 
was because I knew that the, it, it is very likely that financial experts might be disconnected from the condition of a creative person. But you perhaps have insights into it that other, other people don't. Not only because you're a close friend of mine, but also because you yourself have harbored, uh, you know, dreams and ambitions of being in the creative industry. And you were in the creative yeah. industry for at least some time. Yes. So, uh, I mean, going back, uh, yes, uh, I had an interest in advertising, creative advertising. And in fact, I also managed to intern in a couple of places. Uh, but what happened about 20 years ago is that uh, I had to choose. I had to choose the college that I would go to. And I had three options. And the college uh, that I finally chose was in an Institute of Mass Communication, where uh, I had applied only for the journalism course and not for mm. the advertising course. Yeah. Because when I was applying, uh, the website showed that uh, the, 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 journal, the, the uh, advertising course had only 10 seats. And I thought, what chance in hell do I have of cracking that when people all over India are going to apply for those 10 seats? Uh. The, the colleges that I applied for advertising, uh, I, I got through. But they were not great colleges, not very well known. Mm. Uh, so I had to pick. I, so I picked uh, the best college out of the lot. Uh, so I went to IIMC. The day I was supposed to pay the fees, I, I went to the college, I, I gave them the check. And that was the day they gave me uh, a brochure of the course. I picked up the brochure, I came back home and I started flipping through it. That was the first time, I mean, I had already been admitted into the course, but this was the first time I was seeing the brochure. I, I didn't have it before. And mm. as, as I was going through it, I saw advertising in PR, 50 seats, five zero seats. And uh, in a matter of weeks, and the website was not updated, they had increased that program from 10 seats to 50 seats. And it feels like I, I would have probably cracked it if it, if, it, if it were 50 seats. And I remember mm. throwing, taking that brochure and throwing away, throwing it away in disgust. Um, but at the same time, I was happy that I was going to a good college, and a lot of good things happened in my life because of, because I attended that college. The friends that I made. Um, uh, that's the greatest value that I've derived from that experience at IMC. And, but, but, but doing that course basically put me on path to becoming a journalist, first of all. So uh, I, I went where the opportunities were. There was still a moment where I could have become a copywriter because once you have finished the course, uh, you're looking for internships. Internships are not easy to get because you have no skills, no experience, nothing. So people are unwilling to take you on. Uh, mm. So I was open to any option. Basically, I just wanted to work and earn some money for myself. And no, but I think point, uh, yeah. you've uh, like I have seen you take to the financial profession like a fish takes to water. And I would not have thought it possible had I had someone told me about this when I first met you because we were all struggling with finances. I still struggle with finances. But you've really taken to it like a fish to water, and uh, it's been quite a. It's been quite pleasant to watch this it's happen. All, it's all relative, right? I mean, I know things that maybe my friends may not, but there are so many things that I don't know that people around me know very easily because they've, mm. they've been in that world throughout. And like stock investing, for example, I, I just don't get it. Right? I, mm. I don't understand it. I have no familiarity with it. I, I wouldn't know where to begin with. Um, mm. And uh, it's all relative, basically. So when I reached that point, I was already in my 30s. Uh, I mean, when I reached financial services, I was already in my 30s. And uh, I had a fair sense of what was going on. This is my own experiences with finance. Hmm. Uh, 
Uh, and by my early 30s, I had made a bunch of mistakes that I had learned from. Uh, I had been in life situations that I had learned from. And I had a basic structure to my finances that I had followed. I wasn't a great investor, but I, I saved. I, I saved money like crazy. Uh, and I was also lucky that I, I didn't have any adverse events in my life that uh, could have hurt me financially. Mm. Uh, for example, in India, and this is something we have covered in the book. In India, uh, you know, one a lot of people are just one hospitalization away from abject poverty. Um, and in a sense, I was protected from those circumstances. Uh, but still, I made a bunch of mistakes that I learned from. And mm. that kind of gave me uh, a start in financial services. I had a sense of where I wanted to go. But it was a steep learning curve. Uh, make no mistake about it. I'm sure it, it must have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the first six months, uh, I mean... I was, I, I would be so anxious that uh, I had to start running. Uh, that is when I uh, took up running yeah. uh, because my body was literally telling me just get up and run. Uh, mm. And I started running. That was, that. that's how stressed out I was from all the learning and all the stress that I was going through. Okay. So you did not apparently take to it like a fish to water. No. <laughs> okay. Steep learning curve. So, so we have a couple of people in the queue here. Before I take anyone on screen, I want to make clear one thing. Today we are talking about finance because the people I see in the queue are serial callers and they always talk about religion or God or education or something. We are not talking about those topics today. Also to one particular person who thinks the guest is Meghnad, it's not Meghnad. It's Mr. A.R. Hemant, who's the author of the book, The Bee, The Beetle and The Money Bug, a book about personal finance. So come on screen only. Yeah, that's the book. Come on screen only if your question is about finance and, uh, you know, personal finance. Otherwise, don't. And this you can remove you from the... Episode on Memo's channel. Sorry? Nobody wants to... This is going to be the worst performing episode on your episode, uh, on your channel because nobody wants to talk finance. No, no, it's that. not. The most badly performing episode on my channel, as I told you earlier, was an episode where I was reading stories that I wrote as a child. This is bottom but uh, tell me what has the reception to the book been like so uh, uh, i've been tracking amazon rankings and it's quite volatile but the highest i've been i've seen the book go is about 1900 in all books uh, which is quite nice okay. because huh. uh, so far i mean the books have just reached uh, the stores it's been available online for a month um, huh. so hopefully from next uh, from this month we should Start, start seeing more traction as reviews start to appear in the media, as the excerpts start to get published. Uh, excerpts are coming on. Uh, uh, there's one in Outlook Money, there's one in Financial uh, Express. So we'll see some traction. But the best feedback that I've got so far, and this is from a bunch of people, is that they wish they had started, they had read this book when they were starting out in their financial journeys, which would be in their 20s, mid-20s, 30s. And that is exactly the kind of impact that we were hoping to have because uh, we, we've written from our experience, uh, you know, the mistakes that we have made, the learnings that we've had over time. Um, we want people to, uh, you know, get a sense of what are the basic things that they need to do. Yeah. And often it's very difficult to get these basics right because, I mean, financial content can be so full of jargon. There, there are so many. Yeah, I saw. I saw so many testimonials of the book, which had to do directly with the fact that it was a very lucid book. And from whatever I have read of it so far, it, I find it very unlike any other financial books I have ever had uh, the pleasure of laying my eyes upon. 
it's quite okay, simple like, have read? uh i have read a couple i have read i have tried to read a couple i have read, tried okay. to read a couple and it was always that this is not for me even though the topic obviously is for everyone everyone needs money to survive and so yeah so what, what it was short sentences short paras everything absolutely dumbed down explain mm. uh you know uh, broken down as much as possible so that it makes sense to everyone mm. uh, but that's up to a level so for example we would assume that everybody has a bank account you have mm. a bank account uh, you may probably not be dabbling in stocks but almost everybody now has a bank account every adult needs a bank account because mm. having a bank account means that you can buy insurance you can buy mutual funds you can buy stocks everything else comes back to have you having your account without mm. your bank account you you don't get to do it, uh, the rest of it okay. so uh, that that is the level at which we are starting and hopefully people will find that it's very easy to follow uh, hopefully they would be able to read it and avoid the mistakes that people tend to make uh, and and right now what is happening in the markets that's especially important with one stock shaking up the whole market yeah. um, right there so, are questions uh, about that also prepare uh not a problem you can take them on so basically cool. you know you, you need to you need to know where to start and what mm. are the things that you should absolutely avoid because mm. nobody tells you that your your bank relationship manager will not tell you that uh, your friends or family may not be able to tell you that because they don't know any better Uh, mm. so that is the kind of uh, insight and information that we have tried to put together in an easy to read manner and uh, hopefully that is how the readers would feel as well okay so we will get to our topic which is sanskari finance ideas in a bit but before that i want to take a caller his name yeah. is logically and he says he has a budget related question hi logically ji hello vimo hello hemant hello, hello. बताइए ये क्वेश्चन मैंने आपसे हाँ पहले काफी पहले ही पूछा था तो जैसे हाँ. ना जैसे यूनियन बजट आया अभी ये पर्सनल हाँ. पर्सनल क्वेश्चन नहीं है मतलब यूनियन बजट के रिलेटेड है जैसे कोई भी फिगर होती है ना जैसे एजुकेशन बजट है या हेल्थ बजट है तो उसको हमेशा ना जीडीपी के परसेंटेज में बताया जाते हैं और जबकि बताना चाहिए कि हमारा जो यूनियन बजट है पैंतालीस ट्रिलियन का उसका ऐसा रेशियो बताना चाहिए भाई टोटल बजट का ये हमारा एलोकेशन है और फिजिकल डेफिजिट भी जीडीपी के परसेंटेज में बताया जाता है जबकि मेरे को लॉजिकली उसको तो भाई टोटल बजट के रूप में हमारा बताना चाहिए तो मैं ये जानना चाहता हूँ जीडीपी तो काफी एक फ्रॉड सा फिगर होता है मगर जो एक्चुअल बजट होता है जो गवर्नमेंट एक्सपेंड करती है जो हमारा बजट है जो भी एक्सपेंडिचर है उसका परसेंटेज बताना चाहिए तो इसके बारे में आप क्या कहना चाहेंगे ये मैक्रो इकोनॉमिक्स का सवाल हो गया और हम लोग पर्सनल फाइनेंस डिस्कस कर रहे हैं बट मैं आपका आपके सवाल का जवाब देने की कोशिश करूंगा सो बेसिकली देखिए कई बजट में यही हो रहा है कि चीजों को इंफॉर्मेशन को पैकेज किया जा रहा है है ना इंफॉर्मेशन को इस तरह से पैकेज किया जा रहा है कि ज्यादा से ज्यादा लोगों को पसंद आए ताकि वो पॉलिटिकली वायरेबल हो ताकि वो फिजिकली वायरेबल हो शायद जो आप पूछ रहे हैं उसका रीजन वही हो सकता है मुझे नहीं पता एजुकेशन एलोकेशन क्या है और जीडीपी का कितना परसेंट है और बजट का कितना परसेंट है मुझे नहीं पता मैं वो चीज़ें ट्रैक नहीं करता क्योंकि वो पर्सनल फाइनेंस से डायरेक्टली जुड़ी नहीं है बट आई थिंक ये पैकेजिंग वाली ही बात है और गवर्नमेंट अपने आप को जितना ज़्यादा 
मार्केटेबल बता सके इस बजट के थ्रू आई थिंक उनके लिए अच्छा है तो आई थिंक वही हो रहा है यहाँ पे हाँ मेरे को लगता है कि वो क्लैरिटी को थोड़ा एम्बिक्यूटी रखने के लिए ही मतलब इस टाइप के बताते हैं क्योंकि अगर क्योंकि बजट इटसेल्फ ही ना ट्वेंटी परसेंट है जैसे जीडीपी सर ढाई सौ ढाई सौ ट्रिलियन रुपीज का है और अपना फोर्टी फाइव का है तो बजट इटसेल्फ ही ट्वेंटी परसेंट होता है अराउंड तो इसलिए फिजिकल डेफिसिट कम नजर आए इसलिए वो जी का परसेंटेज बताते हैं बजाय की बजट का परसेंटेज और फिजिकल डेफिसिट बढ़ता जा रहा है कुछ साल पहले साढ़े तीन था हाँ क्योंकि अगर हाँ साढ़े वो फोर पॉइंट फाइव रखना चाहते हैं मगर हाँ वो बढ़ता जा रहा है फिजिकल डेफिसिट का मतलब जी जी क्योंकि फिजिकल डेफिसिट जितना भी होगा उतना उतना ही लोन लेना पड़ेगा करेक्ट और लोन का जो ब्याज है वो हम ही चुका रहे हैं चुकाना होता है और एक छोटा सा क्वेश्चन अगर आप इसमें जैसे जो कोई भी आईपीओ आता है तो आ, अच्छा हाँ एक छोटा सा क्वेश्चन है आपने ये अडानी वाला कुछ फॉलो किया है हाँ थोड़ा बहुत कर रहा हूँ क्योंकि मेरे पोर्टफोलियो पे भी थोड़ा असर आया है मैं म्यूचुअल फंड्स में इन्वेस्ट करता हूँ और क्योंकि ये स्टॉक पूरे मार्केट को हिला रहा है तो मेरा नुकसान हुआ है तो मैं ये जानना चाहता हूँ जो हिंडनबर्ग ने जो भी इन्फॉर्मेशन गैदर करी है वो आपके हिसाब से क्या पब्लिकली अवेलेबल इन्फॉर्मेशन को ही सारा कलेक्ट किया है क्या कुछ उनके पास कुछ लीक्ड इन्फॉर्मेशन या कुछ सीक्रेट इन्फॉर्मेशन भी कहीं से निकाली है या मैक्सिमम इन्फॉर्मेशन जो पब्लिकली अवेलेबल थी उसी को उन्होंने प्रॉपरली कलेक्ट करके उसी को एक प्रॉपर अच्छे फॉर्म में प्रेजेंट किया है तो आई थिंक उनका ऑब्जेक्टिव है कि ऐसा इन्फॉर्मेशन ढूंढे जो इजिली मार्केट में नहीं मिलता है पर अडानी पे काफ़ी टाइम से कवरेज हो रहा था कि उनका स्टॉक वैल्यूएशन जो है वो थोड़ा मार्केट से ज़्यादा है कभी भी पड़ सकता है ये सब बातें कई महीनों से चल रही है कुछ लोग कहेंगे कई सालों से चल रही है और डर ये था कि अगर इतनी बड़ी कंपनी जिसने इतने सारे लोन ले रखे हैं अगर उसे अपने लोन चुकाने में दिक्कत आए तो फिर उस पर उसका असर सब पे हो सकता है मैं मैंने अडानी स्टॉक नहीं खरीदा है बट मेरे पोर्टफोलियो पे भी असर आएगा और मैं जिस बैंक में अपना पैसा रख रहा हूँ अगर उस बैंक के एन बढ़ गए किसी कारण से अगर कोई बड़ा जो कर्जदार है वो अपना लोन नहीं चुका पा रहा है तो वो उसके उसके एन बढ़ जाएंगे अगर एन बढ़ गए तो रिस्क बढ़ जाते हैं तो ये भी हो सकता है कि मेरा पैसा उस बैंक में अटक जाए मैं पैसा निकाल ना पाऊँ तो ऐसा पहले भी हुआ है कई बैंकों के साथ हुआ है ऐसा लग रहा है इस केस में नहीं होगा आई होप ना हो क्योंकि उसका असर बहुत बुरा हो सकता है पूरे इकोनॉमी पे तो मैं बस उतना ही कहूँगा हिंडनबर्ग रिसर्च का काम है शॉर्ट सेलिंग करना तो वो ओवर वैल्यूड स्टॉक्स ढूंढते हैं और अडानी कोई एक्सेप्शन नहीं था उन्होंने पहले भी बहुत सारे ऐसे ओवर वैल्यूड स्टॉक ढूंढे हैं जिनका प्राइस बहुत कम हो सकता था और उसी चीज़ पर वेट कर रहे हैं कि किसी स्टॉक का वैल्यू अगर हज़ार है तो उस, 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 वो उसका एक्चुअल वैल्यूएशन शायद सौ रुपये हो तो अगर वो हज़ार रुपये से सौ रुपये आ गया तो शॉर्ट सेलर का बहुत फ़ायदा होता है बट अगर वो हज़ार से दो हज़ार हो गया तो शॉर्ट सेलर भी बर्बाद हो जाएगा तो अडानी कोई नया एक्सेप्शन नहीं उन्होंने ये बहुत सारी कंपनी उसके साथ किया है ये शॉर्ट सेलिंग एक लीगल तरीका है ट्रेड करने का पूरी दुनिया में होता है इंडिया में भी होता है लोग करते हैं तो आई थिंक इससे मतलब आपका जो सवाल है आई थिंक मेरा उसका जवाब वही है 
बाकी जो टेक्निकलिटीज हैं मैं उसको फॉलो नहीं करता मैं स्टॉक मार्केट में इन्वेस्ट नहीं करता हूँ मैं सिर्फ म्यूचुअल फंड्स में इन्वेस्ट करता हूँ क्योंकि मेरे पास टाइम नहीं है कि मैं इंडिविजुअल कंपनीज को इवेल्यूएट करूँ और पता करूँ कि कौन सी कंपनी का प्राइस बढ़ने वाला है किस तरह घटने वाला है मैं पहले कर चुका हूँ और मेरे लिए वो फायदेमंद नहीं था और मैं रोज़ रोज़ ये सब चीज़ें ट्रैक नहीं कर सकता और काफ़ी टाइम कंज्यूमिंग काम है मेरा जॉब है तो मैं मैं प्रेफर करूँगा कि मेरा पैसा कोई प्रोफेशनल मैनेज करे और वो प्रोफेशनल म्यूचुअल फंड मैनेजर्स होते हैं तो म्यूचुअल फंड एस करता हूँ और फाइनेंशियली अब तक मेरा वो बेस्ट डिसीजन था एस चालू करना सिस्टमेटिक इन्वेस्टमेंट प्लान चालू करना मेरे लिए अब तक का बेस्ट फाइनेंशियल डिसीजन था और मैं वही करता रहूँगा क्योंकि मेरा टाइम बचता है उससे और मुझे जो रिटर्न चाहिए मुझे आराम से मिल जाते हैं और मुझे कुछ करना नहीं पड़ता मैं बस इन्वेस्ट कर रहा हूँ उस पैसे को पकड़ के बैठा हूँ बस ठीक है लॉजिकली आपको अपना जॉब मिल गया थैंक यू सो मच थैंक यू जी थैंक यू सो मच इतना टाइम दिया आपने थैंक यू फॉर कमिंग ये थे लॉजिकली और अगला एक कॉलर हैं विल टेक वन मोर कॉलर बिफोर आई आस्क हेमंत अबाउट सरकारी फाइनेंस एंड देन विल टेक अनदर ब्रेक एंड टेक सम कॉलर्स अगले कॉलर हैं वीवी हाय वीवी वीवी हाय वीमो हाय हेमंत हेलो हेलो क्वेश्चन Okay 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 so uh, first of all um, it it feels good that we are discussing about finance in an uh, atism channel uh, so that i can ask about the finance question um, yeah so i have three questions okay uh, i'll i'll won't i won't take much time and it's okay if you don't give an elaborative explanation okay so the first one is uh, first one is about the union budget uh, there is a debate going on whether the new regime is good the new tax regime is good or the old one so i want to know the uh, hemant's take on that hmm. so uh, new regime versus old regime it all boils down to your personal circumstances so if you are asking this i am assuming that you are salary um, you yes. salary income okay so uh, yeah yeah so basically uh, you know if you while okay so i'll just interrupt hemant can you speak a little louder also vv i am yeah. muting you cool so so vivi uh, the long and short of it is that under the new regime if you earn an income of up to 7.5 lakh you pay absolutely no tax so income tax up to that level is basically gone so if your income is under 7.5 lakh it's a no brainer take the old regime uh, because that's better uh, because you you have no income tax liability at that level so if you earn even a rupee more than 7.5 lakh then you pay the applicable slab rate right and then you need to compare uh, which regime is better for you is it the old regime or is it the new regime and there are lots of income tax calculators online that will help you compare your uh, tax liability under both regimes what is happening is that uh, the adoption rates for new regime are very low uh, there was uh, a report in economic times on january 23 and it said that uh, the uh, number of people who had applied for the new regime they had filed their tax returns under the new regime was 5 lakh and 
the rest, uh, which would be of about 6.5 crore, were under the old regime. So that's basically 1% of the people, the SSEs, tax SSEs, using the new regime to uh, file their returns, which basically says that up till now, it's uh, the, the new regime, it's a failure. Uh, nobody wants it. And why nobody wants it is because everybody has reductions. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're not buying insurance or not buying home loans or, you, you know, you have some deduction or the other that you can easily avail. So firstly, you have the standard deduction of 50,000 that everybody can avail. You have, you have to pay rent. Uh, if, you, if you're not paying rent, if you're living in your own uh, home and you have a home loan, then you get deductions for your home loan payments. If you buy health insurance, you get deductions. If you have life insurance, you get deductions. If you have school going kids, you have deductions. If you have health problems, you get deductions. You have so many deductions under so many heads. And that is why everybody has kind of wisened up to the idea that it's pointless to abandon all these savings to go for the new regime, which they are saying is easier to follow because there is no paperwork. You just put in the amount, uh, put in your salary income, there's no deduction and you you pay no tax. Uh, that did not work for anyone. So now what they have done is they have expanded the ambit of the deductions that you get under the new regime. And, may, and we, we need to see how many people now who were sitting on the fence earlier will move from old to new. My guess is that number is still going to be a very small number. And the vast majority will continue to be on the old regime. So I did that calculation for myself and uh, the old regime is still winning by a long margin. And I'm really pissed off that since 2013, there have been absolutely no enhancements in the old regime. So I'm basically paying a 2013 rate of tax and it's not been adjusted for inflation for 10 years. Last enhancement in those slabs was done by P.J. Dambran when he was finance minister. And in these last years, almost nothing has happened. So effectively, you know, what I'm trying to say is even though my highest uh, slab rate is 30%, adjusted for inflation, I'm actually paying 50% tax which is a lot, uh, half my income plus GST on everything else that I spent, which is not good, right? Uh, tax brackets need to keep pace with inflation, uh, but that is not happening. What has happened is that at low income levels, income tax is abolished, but it has happened because everybody else is paying a much higher rate of tax, uh, much higher than what they should ideally be paying at that income level. Does that answer your question? Yeah, uh, even I am thinking thinking of taking, uh, you know, uh, the old tax regime. So that answers the question. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask you the second question. Uh, I saw a lot of YouTube videos on, uh, you know, whether you should uh, rent a house or you, you should buy a house using th through home loan. So what's your take on that? Because in metropolitan cities like Mumbai, Bangalore, house house cost is very high. Hmm. Uh, the price of houses are very high. So do you think it's the right, uh, right suggestion by these YouTubers to, to rent a house instead of buying it? So there is no one size fits all answer to this, but I'll try to answer it uh, by saying that almost everybody aspires to home ownership. Uh, and we do surveys every year. And uh, what we find is that uh, educating one's children and uh, having a home, these are the two biggest goals for Indians year after year after year. So people want to have a home, whether or not they can afford it, that's another matter. And lots of uh, parameters go into, uh, lots of factors uh, you know, uh, lead to answering that question. So basically, 
you you buy a property when you have decided to live in one place uh, you buy a property when you have cash ready matlab you have down payment money ready and the rest of it you can borrow but if you have to borrow then you need to be worthy of that credit by that i mean your income needs to be at a certain level your uh, credit score needs to be at a certain level and once you tick those boxes when you are eligible for loan when you have decided to stay in one place when you have the down payment ready you can go for it right but if if you find mm-hmm. that uh, you know even one of these things is missing from your checklist then uh, it could make that home ownership process much more difficult uh, uh, it would probably get delayed to the time that you are ready to get credit or till the time you have that home loan ready or till the time you have decided to settle in one place uh, till that time you have to continue to rent and you know home ownership is something that is going to shock your finances unless you are extremely rich you have lots of cash it's it's going to shock your finances uh, because it's not just the cost of the home it's also registration your furnishing your moving costs the cost of taking that loan it's long and painful uh, it's stressful it's financially draining it's emotionally draining but you know once you decide to do that once you are ready it's it's brilliant. there's nothing like it hmm. also does family uh, is a factor Vivi, like if you're <clears throat> vivi uh, is this a supplement to the question you had asked yeah just one supplement to this uh, cool cool make this your last question please okay so is it, uh, like if you are staying as a bachelor do you think uh, staying on rent is a better option than like if you are with a family or if you have a, a huge family then buying house is the option Again, it all depends on your circumstances and what you are prepared to do, right? So, if you are okay. bachelor, if you if you like your mobility, if you like the idea that one day you suddenly have to get up and go and work in some other city, um, and you don't want that baggage of having a home uh, that you have purchased and now you need to service your EMI and all that, if you don't want that baggage, then rent. If you want that mobility, then rent. Um, but once you decide that you are going to stay rooted in one place, and once you have that financial readiness, you you buy because that is what ultimately everybody wants to do, right? Everybody wants a mm-hmm. uh, security of a roof over their heads. Everybody wants that. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Vimo. Thank you, Emil. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Vivi. Bye. Bye. so i feel like this is a topic on which people could talk to you for hours and hours and i feel quite deficient in this regard because i don't have that much time to devote to this topic but uh, we have a few callers on the queue still but before we get to them let me just ask you what did you mean by sanskari finance and its pitfalls like are the financial ideas which are traditional and everyone thinks are good ideas but they're not actually good ideas yeah so uh, i think what has changed from our parent generation and their parent generation is that we today have a lot of data to mm. uh, you know step back and take a long term view of everything mm. um, and um, by that i mean we can uh, assess the long term consequences of our actions uh, in terms of returns data in terms of costs in mm. terms of missed opportunities we can evaluate mm. all of that to a very high degree and uh, i i see uh, a lot of people still clinging to those old ideas even though there is now enough information to suggest that you know those ideas are bad and they don't work for anyone can um, you give me an example of one of those ideas okay so i think the best example that i can think of and i've covered this in uh, in the book uh, where i talk about my own experience is buying a traditional life insurance policy now okay all of us have some uncle or some nephew or you know uncle's nephew yes who sells life insurance uh, 
from one company that I will mm-hmm. not name on this channel right now. They are all agents of that company. It's mm-hmm. a big industry. It's a big company. And what is happening now is um, a lot of times you just buy this traditional life insurance policy and uh, three years down the line, you realize what an idiot you have been and you try and pull money out, but you don't get money out because most of mm-hmm. that money is gone towards commissions. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the premiums that you pay on that life insurance policy, a big chunk of that is uh, you know, sometimes 10 to 20% every year is going to the agent who has sold you that policy. So imagine you buy a stock and you immediately start that investment journey with a 10% loss. Right, that is what this effectively is. Mm. Now, uh, if you were smart enough uh, to understand what is going on with the returns, uh, you know, you would try and cut your losses and exit. Um, and there will be losses, one way or the other. You're going to incur losses, uh, or you can just say, okay, I'm I'm going to brave this pain for 20, 30 years because, you know, uh, they promised me 20 lakh rupees at the end of 30 years, and that sounds like a lot of money. You would say, okay, I'll continue investing. I'll continue putting money into this every month, every year. What happens is that at the end of those 20 years, you get a really conservative rate of return. And my own experience was that uh, I got a policy for 10 years. It matured uh, in the 11th year. And it, the, the, the rate of return that I got on my money was 4.3%, which is basically your savings account return. So what I'm trying to say is if I had just thrown money into my savings account and done nothing, I would have done, I, I would have got the same returns mm, yeah. in the same 10 years, stock markets gave double digit returns every year. In the same time, Provident fund gave me eight to 9% returns every year. Mm. And, you know, if I had been, you know, even a little bit wiser about it, I would have just put my money in a fixed deposit and that would have given me six to 7% every year. Yeah. I got the worst option of the lot, which was the worst kind of returns no liquidity also so you cannot pull that money out till the end of the term of the policy um, because the moment you do that you lose all the accrued bonuses that they give you um, yeah, shit. and most of your money is gone into paying commissions to the agent mm. uh, and that's it a lot of people make this mistake uh, year after year after year they think this is the only way to invest and the, one of the problems uh, we face is that people equate investing with tax savings Right. And one of the things these traditional life insurance policies do is they give you tax savings. But people forget to. Hemant, can you move the mic closer to your mouth, maybe? Because um, some people are saying it's not very clear. Yeah. Okay. So I can uh, hear you. Okay. Just speak a little louder, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So now what happens is that people equate uh, tax savings with investment, right? They think investment and tax saving are the same thing, but they're two entirely different things. And they make these mistakes and they lose a lot of money and they miss out on the chance to create wealth. And the biggest loss that they incur is not money, but time, because you can earn back that money, but you're not going to get back that time. And time in investment, in investing is everything. Uh, time spent in the market, time spent allowing your money to compound over the long term that is extremely valuable there is no substitute to it not even more money so uh, this is one mistake that everybody does i'm still continuing to buy these policies because i have somebody that i need to support 
So I pay the premium because a part of that goes towards uh, his earnings. So out of uh, you know uh, uh, familial loyalty. Yes, yes. Yeah. I continue to do that, and a lot of people are similarly stuck in this. Thankfully mm. for me, it's it's a small sum, not a lot of money. But there are people I know who are paying thirty thousand a month, forty thousand a month, sometimes a lakh a month, and it's all money down the drain. It's not money that's going to give them good returns. Taranga says I'm going to make a clip of this part of the video to show to some annoying oldies in the family here. Life insurance lovers must listen and understand that things are different in the economy today. Yeah, that's true. In fact, I won't even talk more about it because my family members might be actually watching this right now. So. So I'll stay away from it. Do you want to give me a second example of a Sanskari finance idea that is outdated and outmoded? Real estate, real estate. Okay. Uh, 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 properties, especially because what happens is that if you take a home loan, you get tax benefits, and people think that, especially salary salaried people, they think that uh, owning a property is investment. Now, if you own land, that's that's a different matter. But most people don't have enough capital to buy land, right? Especially in city limits, you have to be really mm. rich to buy land in city limits. Um, land will obviously appreciate, but uh, apartments, for example, there's a glut uh, of uh, apartments right now. Uh, there is a lot of unsold inventory, um, and and basically what has happened over the last ten years is that uh, property prices are not appreciating the way they used to. That's also great. I mean, because people should stop looking at apartments as investments. I mean, the best thing you can do with an apartment is live in it, and you know have. Family experiences of experiences with friends and happy memories. That's the best thing you can get out of out of that uh, ownership experience, and not returns because the returns are just not there. And I don't think people have wisened up to that because what was happening in the 90s when we were growing up, or in the early 80s, is that you know there were years where uh, you know somebody would buy a house for 10 lakh rupees, and three years down the line they would flip it for 50 lakh. and people still think that that kind of thing is still happening but it's not because uh, the returns are basically they had been trending to 0% returns per annum for a while now and i think in the pandemic we finally got there uh, mm. there is this chapter that uh, i've written in the book uh, talking about this um, so where, this is hemant's book by the way anyone who wishes to buy it the link is in the bio ha huh? hemant go on can, can you see this graph hold on let me just uh yeah we can so you can see the line that is uh, i mean it's uh, somewhere here at the top where it says 20% 30% returns a year and then it's trending towards uh, zero yeah it's trending towards zero yeah and in the pandemic it finally got there um, okay basically what it means is that if you bought a property fine you will get your rental income from it but you will not get any capital appreciation which means that the price of the house is not going up in a hurry and this is what people need to understand um real estate doesn't pay anymore even the rents are so bad so there are countries where you know let's say you you bought a house for 1 crore and you get a rental income of 8 lakh rupees that's effectively an 8% return on your investment every year right and the rent will keep going up over time hmm. in india you would struggle to get even 3% uh, so you have a property for 1 crore you are you're going to be lucky if you get even 3 lakh in rent uh, before your various costs like costs of maintaining the house or uh, the property taxes that you need to pay so it doesn't it doesn't help anymore 
so no capital appreciation, very bad rental yield. It's an investment that doesn't pay. It's an extremely difficult investment to make because property costs a lot of money. You pay money towards uh, registration. You have to deal with builders. You, you have to deal with corrupt officials. You have to go through all that pain for what? Right. So that is the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't pay. Um, so people should really think about whether they need to keep making this mistake uh, of thinking that real estate is good investment over the long term, over 10, 20 years, it might be. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, if I continue to hold on to a property for the long term, if I can, if I can take care of all the maintenance costs and keep paying taxes and deal with rent, uh, uh, with tenants who might not want to pay the rent, who might call the cops on me. If I yeah. go through that whole experience and survive, maybe at the end of those 20, 30 years, I might get a good capital appreciation. Hmm. But do I want to do that? Uh, probably not. There are easier ways to earn money. Okay. Okay. So before I move any further, let me just remind people that Heyman's book is called The Bee, The Beetle and The Money Bug. A link to the Amazon page where you can buy the book is in the description. Please click on it and buy it if you have enjoyed the conversations so far and think that the book might prove useful to you. Uh, there were a few callers, but they say have kind of disappeared. So we'll take a look at some comments. Uh, we have a question here from Sumana, who is asking for investment recommendation for NRIs. Like, okay, I don't so, know if that's a question. Yeah, uh, it's, it's complicated because uh, you're deciding in which country and then, you know, what, what is the tax arrangement uh, that India has with that country? Uh, all of those complexities come into play. Um, so I don't have a ready answer towards that. But generally speaking, I think you can invest in the stock markets and India is, uh, you know, despite everything that's happening, India seems to have a bright future uh, in terms of how the economy is growing. And the expectation is that it will continue to grow because there is there is so much uh, young energy in this country. So bet on the stock markets, bet on the startups, bet on the corporates uh, of this country if you want hmm. to have returns. Uh, what we have covered in the book also is the idea of real returns, which would be returns after inflation or returns. Um, so let me give you an example. So if let's say you have earned 12% returns and the inflation is 6%, uh, the actual return is just 6%. Um, so that is the real rate of return, uh, return minus inflation. So uh, stock markets, equity markets are the only thing that have been generating very high uh, real returns over the very long term. So over 40 years, uh, every year, it would have given some 8% per annum in terms of real returns, which is great. And we are expecting that this would continue over the foreseeable future. And uh, we remain optimistic that India's growth story will continue. So yeah, bet on the equity markets. Hmm. There is a question from Barnali who asks, what is the best investment idea for atheists? I suppose atheists are human beings. So I suppose yeah. it would be the same as everyone else. But if I want to I just build atheist. on top of that. Ah, yeah, Hemant is an atheist. Why else would you think he's on this channel of all places? In fact, he was I an atheist before. In fact, when I was not an atheist, Hemant and I have had serious debates, like really angry debates about existence of God, where I was trying to convince him to believe and he was telling me it was all bullshit. And when I finally got to a place where I could say I don't believe anymore, the first person I messaged was him to say sorry 
but uh, if i w- just want to build on top of bernali's question are there are there religious ideas in finance that people subscribe to uh, which get in the way wh- like which might be some form of sanskari financial idea nobody has asked me this question before so uh, it got me thinking this is what you get I, to this is what you get after yeah. converting me to atheism of all people <laughs> so so uh, let me try and answer that through a different angle which is that uh, i wouldn't want to invest in stuff that uh, i'm opposed to so for example um, when i was in buying stocks i was i i would not buy uh, uh, stocks in weapons companies for example Hmm. um i i wouldn't try and buy stocks in companies that i know are creating ferment in society um and those are the ideas that i would be driven with now somebody else might have different ideas and i don't think it's the same for everyone everybody needs to decide what what is uh, good for them and what is what bad for them and what are the kind of things that they want to support uh there is this new category of invest investments uh, which are called you know esg investments and uh, funds are being created uh, mutual funds are being created to invest in companies that have very good esg scores now whether or not you believe in this whole esg business is another uh, another matter but i'm reasonably sure there are companies that are actually doing really good work on these esg front uh, and you may want to support them in whatever manner but again as an investor uh, you know uh, the primary concern is how do you earn a good rate of return right and everything else seems to take a back seat so if you invest in you know esg funds uh, and if you invest in esg companies and they give you really bad rates of return would you be able to hold on to your investments would you like to sell sell off these investments and try something else that those are questions that you need to answer for yourself there are no easy answers to that because we all want to support the causes that we uh, uh, you know find dear but ultimately it's our money and you know we need to put our money where our mouths are so you decide what's best for you hmm there is a there is a very basic level question here which i think any young person who's living with their family like me can have some benefit from i have zero experience in financing says dragoons any tips for me when i start to live independently yeah by the book by the book but you know seriously just give him an answer so that he thinks that the book is worth buying also if he is someone who has not yet started to live independently what would you say is the first thing he should keep in mind when he or she or they start living yeah. independently so dragons 292010 you are exactly the kind of person that we have targeted this book at and what we have tried to do is give everybody like you a structure that they can follow in their money management and have good outcome so basically you give yourself a chance to succeed and uh, you you give yourself foundation and use that foundation to become wealthy or stay safe financially and do well for yourself but before you uh, you know do these basic things you would always be at risk so to give you a more pointed uh, answer to your question um firstly start saving i mean try and put away 10 to 20% of whatever your disposable income is and your disposable income will grow with time so ensure that you have saved up at least 3 to 6 times your monthly income 
so that if you have an emergency, you can fall back on those funds. This is what we call an emergency fund, and you don't use that. You, you don't use your emergency fund for anything else apart from an emergency. So an emergency could be a health crisis, it could be an urgent travel, it could be a costly repair. You know, your laptop's broken, or your your phone's fallen into a toilet. Those are things that you need to recover from. Uh, use this money to get back on your feet. Uh, secondly, and this is extremely important, uh, buy health insurance because it doesn't matter what your age is, you can have a crisis. And that health insurance is supposed to protect you from uh, expensive hospitalizations. And, and, and we have pointed out in the book that uh, a lot of Indian families are just one hospitalization away from poverty. Uh, they have that hospitalization, they, uh, you know, they have bills worth tens of lakh and that's it, they are poor. They have to dispose of all their assets, their family gold, their land, everything to pay for that treatment. And this is what health insurance is supposed to protect you against. You have that health insurance coverage. You will be your savings will be safe. Your assets will be safe. And in a crisis, you'll be able to fall back on your emergency fund. And in a health crisis, you will be able to use your insurance to protect your your savings. Thirdly, uh, be responsible with how you use credit. Um, there's a lot of easy credit available for everyone. You know, you have buy now, pay later loans. You have credit cards. Credit is available to anybody who's eligible for credit. And uh, the thing that you need to keep in mind is uh, try and not live on, uh, you know, try not consume on borrowed money. By that, I mean, uh, you know, don't uh, incur interest on your vegetable purchases or your food purchases or your, uh, you know, movie hall visits or, uh, you know, anything that doesn't add value to your finances, basically. Anything that you should be taking care of yourself without paying interest. Uh, credit card is borrowed money, BNPL is borrowed money, and what has been borrowed needs to be repaid. If you don't repay it, you, you incur interest. There is something called the credit score. If you're not aware, if you're not aware of it, please do look it up. If you have any kind of credit line, a credit card or a BNPL, you probably have a credit score by now. You need to be on top of your credit score to ensure that it remains high, it remains above 750. You have to ensure that your credit card payments are on time. Even one missed credit card payment one late credit card payment can absolutely destroy your credit score. And that would make it really difficult for you to take a home loan later or a car loan later, because there will be bigger things in life that you need to accomplish for yourself. You need to create assets or start a business. And for, for those things, you'll probably need to borrow. And if your credit score is bad, you'll not be able to borrow. So you need to really take care of your credit score. Like it's your your your, your personal health. It's a, it's, a, it's a barometer of your financial health and you need to take care of your financial health. Thirdly, uh, you, you're going to have to create assets at some point in your life. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs uh, assets and investments to fall back, or fall back on in their old age, uh, when they retire, when they don't have regular income streams. That is something you need to work on through your working life. Uh, every month, put away little bits of money here and there, uh, you know, as much as possible. That's good for you because the more time you remain invested in the equity markets, for example, the more returns you could have over the long term and the richer you could be. And, you know, uh, for, for my generation, for example, uh, you know, a good retirement corpus uh, that would allow me to retire com comfortably would be, let's say, 5 crore or 10 crore, right? Uh, if you're a young person, you're still in your 20s, uh, you would probably need a lot more money. You could maybe need 10 crore, 15 crore. Uh, you, this sounds like a lot of money, uh, but you can break down 
that target into small achievable steps that you, you can repeat every month and you can create that money for yourself uh, and retire on your own terms. Uh, lastly, uh, and this is something we have covered in the book is, um, you know, there are several things that you need to be mindful of about your finances, things like your uh, info security, uh, your password, your CVV number, uh, don't let it fall in the wrong hands because that would devastate your finances. Um, uh, you need to nominate your accounts. Uh, you need to make sure that if you have financial dependence, people who are dependent on your income and, uh, you know, if you, if, if something happens to you, they should not suffer. So make sure everything is properly nominated and you know anybody needs to get your assets or your money, they get it in, in a timely manner and they don't have to face bureaucratic hurdles. And lastly... I think this uh, is more information than he was expecting. He just asked a basic yeah, question. Basically, you I gave him a map for life. I, I basically summarized the book. <laughs> no, I, you had a last point. Go on. Yeah, give back to society. Um, and you don't need to be 60 to start doing that. You can start doing that now. So there are lots of charities that will take your money and give you tax deductions. And you can always find uh, uh, charities that are you know close to the causes that you want to associate with. It could be animal rescue. It could be cancer care. It could be orphans or uh, you know uh, women who've been through abuse. There are tons of causes that you can support. And a lot of these causes will give you tax deductions. You you donate money to them and they'll give you a receipt. You can use those receipts to claim tax deductions. So you're helping society and you're making a small useful, uh, you're getting a small useful benefit in terms of tax savings for yourself as well. Hmm. So there's a question from uh, Yoda BC who says, my chartered accountant is asking me to start an SIP of rupees 10,000 per month for a term of around 30 years LOL. After that, I'm supposed to get crores worth of money. Sounds scamish. What do you think, sir? No, it's not scamish. In fact, I, I'll tell you. So uh, 10,000 for 30 years, and let's say the markets give you a 12% average return over uh, 30 years, uh, you get 3.5 crore. So hmm. uh, that's what your CA is saying. So he's not scamming you. Uh, what could go wrong is, you know, uh, India gets into a rut and uh, the stock markets underperform uh, like stock markets in Japan have or stock markets in Russia have. Um, that's a low probability when we think India is going to have a great 20, 30 years from here, fingers crossed. And with, the, uh, with an SIP of 10,000 rupees, yeah, I mean, you should be able to create three, four crores. But the thing is that you should not have an SIP of uh, 10,000 per month for 30 years, I mean, you should increase that SIP every year by 10% or 15% or whatever percentage by which your income is increasing. So let's say your income went up by 10%, you should increase that SIP by 10% also for whatever you can uh, afford doing because you want that, you know, you want a large money of a large amount of uh, uh, money to remain invested in the markets. And the sooner you get to that number, uh, the better it will be for you in the long term. So, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, you increase your SIP by 10% every year, it, you will probably save a lot more than 3.5 crore. It could be 5, 10, 7. I don't know what the exact number is I'm pocketing. There's an example in the book covering exactly this. It's called step up SIP. Step up your SIPs every year with your income income rise. Okay. There's a question from member Move78. He says, I'm a salaried employee. 
I get health insurance from my employer. Should I take additional health insurance separately? Hundred percent, because you could lose your job at any moment, hmm. right? Um, also, um, let's say uh, you know you lose your job, and the same day you have a road accident, who's going to cover you, right? And it could be a costly hospitalization. Always have your own insurance policy. It's very cheap. I mean, five ten lakh at the very least. If you're living in a big city, ten lakh at least. And the thing about insurance is health insurance is that it's it's really cheap, um, yeah. especially when you're young. And There is basically no reason not to take health insurance. Yes, yes. Yeah. In fact, one of the things you can do, and again, this is covered in the book, is when you leave your employer, uh, request them to uh, you know allow you to transfer that policy in your name, so you can pay the premium. This is what I have personally done. uh when i was leaving my last company i basically paid the premium and converted that uh, employer policy into a personal policy and what that allowed me to do was it allowed me to have coverage for my parents who did not have coverage mm-hmm. and i there, there are waiting periods associated with health insurance so so first year you can't do this second year you can't do this third year you can't do this and you complete those three years and only then you get full coverage of all your various health problems that could arise uh i did not have to serve all the, that waiting period from scratch that waiting period was already served when i was with my employer so when i transferred that policy into my name uh all the policy uh, all the waiting period accrued uh, that remained with me so that was great okay great so i hope that answers moves question i'll take three more questions hey math you have like 5 10 minutes i can give you one hour if you want no no i don't want one hour i don't have one hour <laughs> uh somana is asking can you talk about financial independence if someone wants to retire in 15 years and have a comfortable life and travel internationally how much money should i have a uh, lot of money uh, i mean traveling internationally will require a lot of money but if you just want to retire and live comfortably that's a different thing right yeah i mean look uh, with, with the way foreign foreign exchange rates are uh, i don't know how much money is going to be enough if you want to travel internationally especially in europe or places like america where you know basically what is happening is that the rupee is depreciating at a at an alarming rate so no money no amount of money could be enough it just continues to happen um but let me give you a number so uh, there's basically a thumb rule which says that um if you can if you can save up 300 times your current monthly income needs uh then you can retire right away hmm. the, the magic number is 300 It can't be 250. It can't be 200. Uh, it has to be 300. Assuming you want to, uh, you know, continue your life, your your current lifestyle, you get to 300. Uh, you know, you take out whatever money you require for your immediate income needs, and you let let the rest invested. So if you remain invested in the equity markets, and assuming you get 10-12 percent average returns over the long term, and as long as you're spending less than 10-12 percent every year, uh, let's say you remain at 4 percent withdrawal every year. you should be fine that money will never run out it will keep growing but again travel internationally that's a whole other thing it is extremely yeah. costly and i don't know if your retirement uh, fund would allow you to do that you probably need to have a travel fund and you need to find a way to finance that travel as well because uh, those are completely two different goals and it's very difficult to achieve unless you have an enormous amount of money So I'm saying 300 probably need 600. I don't know what the number is if you want to travel. Hmm. A similar question from Taranga, uh, with pretty much the same thing, without the travel part. 
She says, is 40 years old, too late to start investing. I have no due inheritance and no assets, but I also have no dependents except for a single elderly parent. What is the one thing I should do this year? Um, she adds that uh, qualifying this by saying that I'm a freelancer now and do have six months of expenses saved up. I'm asking about what to do with the savings above that. Brilliant. So that's a good position to be in. Uh, it's never too late to start investing. Uh, you know, the famous example that keeps getting quoted is that uh, Warren Buffett uh, created more than 90% of his wealth after he turned 50 or something like that. Uh, so you have your whole life in front of you if you, if you want to be an investor. Uh, because, you know, investing uh, is investing. You can be any age and you can invest. So uh, what is working against you right now is the time that you have lost. And that could have been time uh, spent compounding whatever money you had. And a lot, uh, even a small amount of money could have compounded into a substantial amount of money by 40. But since we don't have time, you should probably consider investing aggressively if you, uh, you know, you want to hit certain goals, for example. So the other example that we just saw is that somebody wants to create an SIP of you know, 10,000 for 30 years. Is that something that you can do? and sustain that for 30 years. And can you then step up your SIP every year by 10%, 20% or whatever, uh, because that would allow you to create wealth uh, steadily. Uh, and uh, the, the best thing you can do probably at this point is uh, do financial investments rather than you know, real estate or gold. Uh, financial investments are very easy to make because you need to spend as little as 500 rupees to buy a mutual fund yeah. every month. Uh, whereas property could cost potentially grows, gold mm. could cost you 5,000 for a gram. Um, so those, those things are harder to do and financial investing is easier to do. Uh, and if you're investing in equity, have a long-term plan. Uh, don't panic after a year if the markets get choppy. You have, you know, give yourself 5, 10, 20, 15 years and then keep investing, keep evaluating where you want to go and how your investments are performing and take corrective actions if required. But 40 is not too late to start, but you can't waste any more time. You should get started right away. Yep, that's good advice and advice that I should also take. But uh, there is a final question from Taranga, which is not financial, non-finance question. How did it feel to see your book published in published form finally? How was the journey from idea to publication for you personally? Was it relatively easy or a literal labor of love? Okay, let me answer the last part first. Uh, I worked like a maniac towards the end to complete the manuscript. Yeah, I um, did. And basically, I was in a rut because uh, the regular work that I do, that takes up most of my time and it's enough. Uh, and there was absolutely no time to work on the book. <clears throat> and it just got to a point where uh, I had to do something. I had to take drastic action. And this was 2021, and it was an incredibly tough year for me, for Vijendu, and for most Indians, I believe, because we've suffered losses. We've, uh, you know, seen the depths of desperation. Uh, I had mental, mental health issues in 21, and I had to work mm -hmm. on myself to get better. And uh, I basically gave myself time till Diwali, and I said, after Diwali, I'm coming back from a break, and I'm going to work like a maniac. And that's what I did. So I would finish work at 6 and then 6 to 12, I would write like a maniac. And uh, that's how this manuscript got done. So um, I guess the easy part for me was that we had a structure in place and it was easy to uh, you know, build on that structure. 
uh, what I didn't anticipate was how difficult it would be to you know validate every idea, every 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 opinion that we were trying to put in the book. Everything had to be backed by data. Everything had to be backed by um, you know some citation. Uh, that part was probably the most difficult part because we had ideas, but we were trying to also justify why those ideas work as for us. So we had to find data to justify our uh, points of view. We were able to find that, and that was great. That was also a fantastic learning experience. Hopefully, I will be able to uh, take that forward into future books if I if I write them. Um, and uh, you know, most of the writing was done by January, and then there were you know small uh, changes or edits through most of 22, and uh, that was a drag because most of the work was done by then. We have multiple edits, and this book is about you know. 300 pages, and uh, <clears throat> I would have read it cover to cover at least 15 times, um, going over every line and every para. And uh, the painful bit was that every time I would come back to do an edit, I would find something that would just, you know, make me question how did I make that mistake? Uh, because it was very obvious, something obvious or something that had missed my attention the previous 14 times. Yeah. Catch it the 15th time. That was painful. This is why you should never edit your own work. You should always get someone else to look it over. Yes. So we did that. Not so that you didn't try, it. but I was busy. Yeah. yeah. So the publisher also did their editing. Uh, they were able to do a lot of good changes to the book. Hmm. Um, and finally, by uh, September, we were ready to go. And I thought we were ready to go, but we still continued to make very small changes every few weeks. Uh, finally, everything was done in December, and uh, uh, then it was just wait and watch to see when this hits the shelves. Uh, I was waiting for the moment where I could finally go to a bookstore and uh, see a copy in the share on the shelves. That is what I was waiting for. So, the big bookstore in Bangalore is Blossom. Uh, it's very popular. It houses pretty much every title in the world. I kept going there uh, through January and it had everything except my title. So that pissed me off. I finally went there last weekend for the fourth time and uh, there it was. Um, what happened was that I was looking at Rupa's uh, new release shelves. They have shelves for new releases under each publisher. I was looking at the Rupa shelf uh, where all the new books were and they had everything except this book. And I was seething because I couldn't understand what was going on. And I was mentally typing out an email <laughs> that I would <laughs> write to the publisher asking what is going on. Was <laughs> so then I turned around and saw that there's a huge pile of this book uh, right behind me. It was <laughs> and I was so happy. I was so happy, and I picked it up, and it had the blossom sticker, which uh, I have on all these other books that I had purchased from there, and I was so happy that it was finally there. Then I started looking around that corner to see who's picking up that book and is anybody even interested and uh, maybe I'll uh, you know uh, chat up strangers and tell them you know buy this book buy this book this is the best book on finance ever written I didn't do any of that I just uh, asked the store to take a photo of me with the book I took the photo and I left that's it nice that was, that, basically the, the whole process with that moment had come to an end that is the moment that I had been waiting for for a very long time Nice. So we are kind of 
नहीं यू डैट डोंट जोक अबाउट दैट मुझे सोचने पे लग जाती है बट या विद दैट वी होल्ड ऑन लेट मी जस्ट थैंक आउट ऑफ कॉन्टेक्सट लेट मी लेट मी थैंक आउट ऑफ कॉन्टेक्सट फॉर द फोर हंड्रेड रुपीज सुपर चैट आउट ऑफ कॉन्टेक्सट मनी थैंक्स मच अप्रिशिएटेड थैंक यू वेरी मच इवन ऑन डोनेटिंग ऑन अ टॉपिक on a discussion about a topic which is not atheism so i'll just remind everyone one more time before we go that hayman's book the bee the beetle and the money bug is available on amazon you can find a link to buy the book on in the description of this video please do buy it it's useful and it's more importantly understandable because even someone like me can read and understand it so please do so hayman's thanks a lot for coming and having this conversation and uh, you know that sorry thank you for having me here oh yeah absolutely like I, this definitely was much more entertaining than i thought it would be i thought it was going to be like uh, 20 minutes of awkward silence and then followed by me saying hey so what's money <laughs> yeah i was i was worried that this would be the most worst performing episode uh, i don't maybe, maybe that that still is a possibility we need to check at the end of the episode Uh, but no, 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 no. I don't. On this channel, I don't count the performance of a video on the basis of uh, how many views it gets. I count it on the basis of how much money I make, and I already made four hundred rupees. So I suppose that's a success. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, out of yes. context for the donation. For anyone watching, we are now going to have a one-hour conversation on atheism. Oh, no, like uh, we did not have a one-hour conversation about atheism, and this is the like last. minute or two of the video so what is the point of telling people now but uh, yeah thank you hemant thank you so much and we shall end the live stream now before we go i'll just remind everyone that you can support this channel by becoming a member by clicking the join button or you can support the channel on patreon at patreon.com/bimo or you can make a one time donation at my blog at bimo.stck.me or you can buy merch at kadakmerch.com/bimo like there are t-shirts hoodies and mugs for atheists and people who are not atheist also so all of this will support the channel i am an independent creator and uh, i will remind everyone that like obviously this is a topic about which a lot of people will have questions and if you still have questions for hemant you can ask him on his instagram handle dm him at instagram.com/hemanth for some damn reason there are three y's in there h e y y y month as in mahina I tried uh, one. It didn't work. I tried two. It didn't work. Third time was lucky for me. I can only say that I'm glad the third time worked because you could have tried your name. You know, I'm sure that it username is not gone. It wasn't available. Okay. Hey month. Okay, so this is the. It's not even Then I remember. No, this would hopefully uh, prevent my uh, American friends or uh, English friends from mispronouncing my name. So they would frequently call me Himan. Himan. Himan T. Himan T. Yeah. So hopefully this would deter them. So this is Himan's uh, Instagram username. If you have any further questions for him, send him a DM. He may be or may not be happy to answer your questions. But uh, this live stream is at an end. and uh, i will see you all next time on saturday at 8 pm on this very channel until then i hope you take care of yourselves and you are healthy and financially wise also thank you good night thank you good night bye bye